I want to wish you a happy second night, day of Hanukkah. And I want to share with you uh, an idea. This idea I saw in the Avoda, Avodas Avoda, the Service of Service, a Sefer written by the late Tasha Rebbe, a uh, Rabbi Shalom Fayish, Loi, a Hasidic Rebbe in outside of Montreal. And um, he says as follows. It says in the Talmud that the after the war with the Greeks, the the Hashmanayim, the Kohanim, the, the who from the Hashmanai family, the priests in the temple who were in charge of waging the war, the Maccabees against the Greeks, they searched in the temple and they for oil that had not been contaminated by the by the Greeks, and they found finally one jar of oil that was sealed with the seal of the high priest. And he asks a few questions. He says, we don't find anywhere in any place in Jewish law, any place in the Talmud, that the Kohen, the high priest, put his seal on jars of oil. We don't see that there was such a such an idea. It never, We never heard of it before. Why suddenly is there a seal of the high priest on, on jars of oil? Second, second of all, he asks... Uh, why specifically was this battle waged by the Kohanim, by the priests? It's very interesting that uh, the priests should be waging a war, the Kohanim. Why specifically did the miracle come about through them and not through the tribe of Yehuda? Yehuda is the, uh, Judah is the, the, the tribe of monarchy in the Jewish people. The kings, King David is, is from the tribe of Yehuda. And all the Jewish kings are descendants of Yehuda. And yet the Hashmonayim waged this war and actually became rulers, kings, over the Jewish people afterwards, at which it goes against really the Torah. Third question is why did the Greeks specifically have an issue with the menorah? There were a lot of sacrifices and different services brought in the temple. Specifically, the Greeks tried to stop the menorah from being lit. There was a mitzvah to light the menorah, a seven-branched candelabra in the temple uh, every day. What specifically was that? Why was that specifically an issue from the Greeks? So he explains uh, from the Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira is one of the earliest Kabbalistic works that we have that is attributed all the way back to uh, Sefer Yitzir is attributed in tradition to having been written by Avraham, by Abraham. So Sefer Yitzir explains that everything in the world uh, works on a three-level plane, three dimensions. Those three dimensions, not like the physical world, which is three dimensions of space, right, length, width, and depth. The three dimensions of spirituality are Olam, Shana, Nefesh. World, time, Shana, and Nefesh, soul. That means that there's a convergence of these three things happening at all times throughout, uh, especially throughout the Jewish year calendar. That there's a convergence of the soul level, the physical level, the, 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 the space, and the time. So he explains that in every person, there's something called the Nakuda Panemius, the inner spark, 
the deepest part of the soul. And that space, that place within, no matter what goes on around you, no matter what goes on in your life, there's always that inner spark that remains pure. A pl- the place of God within. It's called as known as the nefesh, the chelech elokai mimal. The, the, the part of the soul, which is literally a piece of God. Um, some call it the pintal yid, the, the Jewish spark, the spark within your soul, which can never be tainted, can never be contaminated. And he said that in, in, the, in the world, that place corresponds to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the um, Holy of Holies, which is the, the deepest part inside the temple, on the Temple Mount on Hartzion, on Mount Zion, where, uh, according to tradition, that's the place where the world was started. It's the center part of the world. And that's the innermost chamber, the place where God is the most revealed. And that's in the world and space. In time, that inner space, the, the Nikuda Panemius, the inner spark, corresponds to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, the day that God is most revealed when the forces of darkness and evil have less power on that day. And that's Yom Kippur. And the, the, the soul that represents that inner space is the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And, and we see the convergence of these three things on Yom Kippur. When the Kohen Gadol, the person that represents this inner this innermost spark goes in to the Holy of Holies, into the Kodesh Kedashim of the temple on Yom Kippur only once a year and offers a, a prayer and, and an incense on behalf of, of the Jewish people being forgiven on that day, to, which essentially reveals the inner spark. That, that the, he's, and he explains that the, the prayers of the Kohanim and the service of the temple was to bring out this inner spark amongst each and every one of us. So he says that the Greeks really wanted to nullify this inner spark of the Jewish people, to make it as if it doesn't exist. And that's why they wanted to stop the lighting of the menorah in the temple because the menorah represented the kindling of that spark, the bringing out that flame every day. And the therefore it was the Kohanim who waged the war against the Greeks because they are the defenders of this inner spark of light. It's very interesting. And the idea of finding this jar of oil that was sealed with the stamp of the Kongola. It wasn't a normal thing to seal a jar. This was a, a message to, to the Jewish people that that jar of oil remains pure within. There's always that one spark of holiness. We just have to tap into it. We just have to uncover it. We just have to search and find it. So, uh, And I want to add in one amazing idea of my own. That I think that brings bring this out even further is that we we know that the world was created in in six days and on the seventh God rested. Now it's ludicrous to think that God needs to rest, right? God is not physical. So what do you mean that God rested on the seventh day? It means He rested from what He did on the six days. What did God do on the six days? God created 
a physical world. He created six aspects of the physical universe. A cube is the metaphor for a three-dimensional world. Cube has six, cube has six sides. That That's in, represented by the six days of creation. On the seventh day, God stopped building physicality. There's only one problem, that after those six days, the world was not complete. It was built physically, but those Six aspects were not united. See, how do you create a cube out of six squares? You just put six squares together, you get a pile of six squares. How do you turn six squares into a cube? Is the alignment of those six squares around an inner space. That inner space is the seventh dimension. That's Shabbos. That represents the soul within the world that unites the aspects of the world, ties them together. That's what God did on the seventh day. He stopped building physical and infused the physical with spiritual, which binds together and unites the physical. So if we had to take a number to represent the Greek ideology, we would say that number is the number six. The Greeks represented the completion, the perfection of the physical world. They they worshipped the human body and the human mind, the human intellect. But they denied – maybe we would actually say the number six actually might be a better representation of the Greeks. They denied the idea of a soul, which is – which animates and fills the body. You could, I could hear an argument for six or seven, but uh, let's go with – let's go with – so, hovering between six and seven, right? They didn't. They they recognized the soul, perhaps within the body, perhaps they recognized the soul within the body, but they denied the soul that was beyond the body. And we believe that this a part of the soul inhabits the body, but the soul is really much much bigger than your body. It goes all the way up to, to to God. That's that spark within of the soul, the deepest part of the soul, and the Kohen job is to draw down the light from the eighth dimension. The eighth dimension is that which is beyond the physical world. That is the supernatural, the soul which doesn't exist within the world, that's beyond the world, before the world. The soul of Cohen's job is to draw that down into the world. We see this actually by Shabbos. Shabbos was the, the laws of Shabbos is that on Shabbos on Shabbos, we learn out the laws of what's forbidden to do on Shabbos from the building of the tabernacle, the Mishkan. And the the Mishkan is considered to be, the temple is considered to be a microcosm of the universe. So we believe that the law, the building, the building activities, the creative activities, 39 creative activities that went into the building of the Mishkan somehow are embodiments or representations of the 39 creative actions that went into creating the universe. So the Mishkan is a microcosm of the universe, and we cease from doing those creative actions. So essentially the universe represents the number seven, the completion of the physical world. And this, this, the Shechina, the, the divine presence, dwells within the Mishkan, be, 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 be in, within those different various aspects, just like the, the divine presence dwells within the world on Shabbos. The work of the Kohen is to bring now the physical world, the completed physical world, and lift it up even to the, a higher level, to the eighth dimension. That's why Kohen, the numerical value of the word Kohen, right, is known as 50, Kof is 20, that's 70, and He is 5, 75. 
he embodies that which is with in between the seventh and the eighth dimension. His job is to draw down from the eighth dimension and bring down into the into the world to lift up from the seventh dimension, bring up to eighth. That's the job of the Kohen is to connect the seventh dimension to the eighth dimension. The, the eighth dimension is the supernatural. That's why the number eight is uh, in in is the universal symbol for infinity. Mobius strip. <laughs> Eight represents the, the infinite. The word eight in, in Hebrew is a great, a lot of connection. Uh, I gave a whole class on it. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll post it another time uh, in previous years. And I gave it this year several times. I just didn't record it. That the number eight in Hebrew, Shemona, has the root shame, which means name or essence. It's the same root as the word neshama, shemin, oil, right? Uh, shemayim. Heaven, we see it throughout in the, the Torah that eight denotes that which is beyond the world. And the coin's job was to bring down the eighth level. So the menorah in the temple is seven branches corresponded to the physical world. That's the completion of the physical world. It actually corresponds to different wisdoms of the world, um, different beauty aspects of nature. Right, we see in nature the physical world is made up of the number seven, seven distinct colors in the rainbow, seven days of the week, seven notes in the Western musical scale. Maybe a coincidence, I don't think so. Seven continents, seven seas, right? Seven orifices, seven main parts of the body. Number seven is the number that corresponds to the physical world. When the Cohen lights the menorah, he's essentially bringing down fire from the eighth dimension and lighting up the seventh world. The eighth dimension is the Torah, the soul that comes from beyond the supernatural. That's the message of Hanukkah, really, is the power of the supernatural over the natural. That's really the miracle of Hanukkah. To answer the question we asked yesterday is, why is Hanukkah eight days? Really, the miracle only took place for seven days, right? They had one jar of oil that naturally could burn for one day. It happened to burn for eight, but the miracle was only seven. So there are many, many answers given to this question, as we mentioned yesterday. But one simple answer is that the miracle of Hanukkah is really the war. We won a war against all odds, a small band of Jews against the largest army, most powerful army, most superpower. Right? That was the miracle. The fact that candle burn is not so important really has very little significance. There are much greater miracles in Jewish history, splitting of the sea, the decimation of entire Babylonian army overnight. Right? The, the menorah, lighting, the, the burning of the candles for eight days is absolutely meaningless. It wasn't even necessary. Right? That's not a, a miracle to celebrate, a miracle that really did no one any good. In fact, the fact that the candles were Burn, we're not lit in impure candles, right? There's not even a mitzvah. There's no need to light candles that are that are pure, especially if the entire nation is, is impure after a war. There's absolutely no need to have done that. So what's the significance of the candles? It signifies, as we mentioned yesterday, the power of the Jewish soul to overcome against all odds, even when we don't need to do it with purity. We want to do it with purity. We want to do it in the best possible way the Jewish soul to overcome and to fight and stand up and rise up against the nations of the world, against the status quo. But more so, it's the power of the soul. So one answer we could give is that the first day of Hanukkah is commemorating the war, which is really the greatest miracle. And the other days is commemorating the miracle, but I don't believe that the miracle is even worth commemorating. The point is the miracle was a message for all time. The miracle is a message of all time. Why we won the war? Why did we win the war? Because of the power of the soul. The power of eight to overcome seven. 
And that's really the message of Hanukkah, the message that the Rebbe is sharing with us here is that there was, it wasn't normal for there to be a oil sealed with the stamp of the high priest of the Kohen Gadol. In this case, they found that one jar as a symbol of the purity, the divine spark, which always remains pure within, within each and every one of us. And all we have to do is search for that spark. It's within us. You have to know that within you, no matter what you've done, no matter your flaws, your shortcomings, your failures in life, there's a part of you which is pure and perfect. If you can tap into that part, you can literally light up the entire world. That's how we achieve miracles, by tapping into the greatest place within, the part within that's never been tainted, never gone through trauma, the part within that is the real you. If you can tap into that, that's the place of the soul. Then you can draw down from the supernatural world and literally transform your life.